So today, we could, uh, I will suggest uh, two different things you can do. So the first thing is that I thought the theme of the day uh, could be listening meditation. So some of you might have already done it, already do it. Of course, if you prefer to pay attention to the breath or do loving kindness, or do appreciative joy, or do being aware of the body, that is also fine. But personally, I think listening meditation can be a very good method, and especially something to take into daily life, and really bring that meditative art, I would say, of listening. I think this is something great possibility to cultivate in daily life. So here, when we look at listening meditation, it's going to be a little different in a way than being paying attention to the breath or paying attention to the body or reciting some phrases. Because here, the focus, the anchor, is going to be wide open. And also, the focus is something which is unpredictable. The breath, is there all the time, the body, we can be aware of it in different ways, there are different sensations. But sounds, actually it helps us to cultivate waiting. And I would say in a way, it helps us to cultivate receptivity. So it's kind of really opening ourselves to the moment, to what happened. And so then, you could say the focus, the anchor, uh, could be, you could have it in two different ways. You could just sit there and just open, be more aware of the space in which the sound happens. So there you have a very wide open focus. And this suits some people sometimes. Or, what you can focus on is, and it's what I do generally, is in a way nearly like the most prominent sound. But I'm not asking you to, which is, more, which is the most prominent sound that I'm going to focus on. But it's more, you notice how your attention, you are in the listening posture, and then you notice that generally your attention goes to the sound you hear the most. And so you stay with the sound as long as it's there, and then the sound goes. And then there might be another sound, which might be quite evident. Then you might go there. Then at time, it will be kind of, there will still be a bit of sound, but it might be more silent. And then you can, in a way, listen to the silence. So it's kind of, again, do we anchor in a general way the whole space, or is it better for us to anchor in something more specific? So that's, again, for you to see. Do I need something more specific, more grounded, so I'm just aware of the sounds as they appear, as they disappear? At the same time, I am not asking you to be aware of all the sound to the same degree. 
So this is not a scientific exercise. It's just to use the sounds as an anchor. And so it's kind of just to be aware of the sound as you can. Not all of them. This is very important. And so what is interesting with listening to sound is that, of course, immediately, generally, there will be a perception. Bird, car. And then sometimes there are sounds you don't know what they are. And then it becomes interesting because you try to find, oh, is it somebody going around with a wheelbarrow, or is this this, or is this that? You can see the tendency to want to make sense of it. But as you sit in meditation, and hopefully nothing dangerous will happen, what I find is useful is actually, if there is a sound you don't know what it is, just stay with the sound as it appears, as it comes to be, as it arises, without necessarily having to define it. So this is not like a commentary exercise, but it's really an exercise so that we can listen to the sound for themselves and not for our description commenting of them. So it's kind of to be as close as we can to sound. One thing to be uh, careful with this uh, method is that in the same way, if you have asthma, to be aware of the breath might not be necessarily <coughs> helpful. In the same way, if you have a little bit of tinnitus in the ear, ringing in the ears, I would not recommend to do the listening meditation in this room. Because since it's relatively silent, apart from a few tweeting of birds and things, then what will be more apparent will be the tinnitus. So I would recommend if you want to do listening meditation, then do it outside when you have more sounds which can cover the sound of the tinnitus. So that's the only thing I would say to be careful with listening to sound. So when we listen to sound, we are doing the anchoring in the sound, arising, passing away. And at the same time, we can cultivate experiential inquiry, looking deeply, vipassana. And in two ways, we can notice that the sound come and they go. So we're not reflecting to see that with vipassana, experiential inquiry, looking deeply. We're not going into kind of an analysis, a reflection or thing of that nature. What we're trying to do is in the experience of change. So with the sound, you can notice, oh, there is a sound, now it's gone. So here with the sound, often what you notice more is, oh, it's gone, it's gone. Just that experience. Then if you have a sound which continues for a little bit, what you can notice is that actually the sound changes within itself. So you can, you go inside the sound and you notice it changes. So that's the way you can do that practice with it, with listening meditation. So if you find this a useful practice, I would recommend to do that. And at the same time with the listening meditation, then you have also the opportunity to do a little bit 
of awareness of the feeling tones. What is very important with the feeling tone, if we want to cultivate awareness of the feeling tone, is the fact that through the six senses, we have six contacts, and at any given moment, you can have six different feeling tones. And again, we're not trying to be aware of every single feeling tone, every single moment. But we just are trying through the practice to be aware of that quality of our experience. Because I think it is very essential in daily life. Because the way I would phrase it is, so, as I said yesterday, you have the contact. With the contact, immediately come the feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and various range. Then I would say from that, very basic, you have what I would call more like feeling sensations, so or you start to feel something more evident in the body. Then generally go, it can turn into an emotion, and then it can turn into a disturbing emotion. But generally we're aware when it's a disturbing emotion, and often it's a little late because by then it's quite intense. So here, in this practice, especially in this surrounding, we're trying to see it more at the beginning. That often, you know, you can have like just a, a mild feeling tone, especially a mild, unpleasant feeling tone. And then very quickly, it can give rise to something much more intense by the grasping, by the amplifying, by the associating. And so in a way, with the meditation, what we're trying to do is kind of like be aware of the feeling tone and in its place, so that it doesn't get amplified, so that we can more able to creatively engage with them, to see, oh, he came and he went. And then, what can be interesting to notice with the feeling tone, when you, so when you do it, when you practice, you do it in connection to an object. So for example, you could, could do it in connection with the breath. But if you try to be aware of the contact with the breath, the sensation of the air coming in, coming out, in the nostril, then there is a feeling tone but a lot of the time, the feeling tone will be fairly neutral. So if you want to be aware of the feeling tone, neutral feeling tone, you can do the breath. But it's kind of subtle and not much is going on. And this is why it took me a long time to be aware of feeling tones. I was looking for them and I could not find anything until I realized I was finding the neutral feeling tone. So then you can also, of course, do it in conjunction with the awareness of sensation in the body. So, for example, you can be aware of just the sensation of the air on the cheeks, or the sensation of the contact of the clothes on the body, or the hand on each other, and generally that's fairly neutral. Or you suddenly might be seeing, and you might be a little cool, then the sun come of you, and it's a little hot, and it could be a pleasant sensation or you have the sun on you, and then it passes, and then you cool, and that could also be pleasant. What is 
important with this uh, feeling tone, this awareness of the feeling tone, is to help us to see the feeling tone is not in the object. I mean, often we think, mmm, ice cream. The pleasantness is in the, in the, the ice cream itself. I mean, in France at the moment, it's really hot. And this is the only time I eat ice cream when it's really hot. And then it's, ah, because it's really cooled me down and then it's really pleasant. But I would never eat ice cream in winter. For me, it's like, why would you do this? <laughs> and so, in a way, you have the same thing, ice cream. In uh, summer, it's pleasant. In the winter, it's unpleasant. So you have the same thing, but according to the weather, I will have a different feeling tone. So to see that the feeling tone, and that's what is interesting to see how it changes. And, and that's where the vipassana also come in, comes in with the feeling tone. How do they stay the same? So if you have a sensation, an unpleasant, uh, painful, unpleasant, uncomfortable sensation, then does the unpleasant feeling tone continues as it continues or not? This is something to explore. Or when it's passed, do, I have, do you have the pleasant feeling tone of the relief? of not having it? Or do you still have the pleasant, unpleasant feeling of the memory of having had it? So that's a whole layer that we can you know, try to observe without making it complicated. So again, this is not a scientific analysis. I'm not asking you, you know, this is pleasant number five and a half, unpleasant two and a half but just actually more as a mean to be more aware in the experience. To mean the mindfulness of the feeling tone helps us to be more in the experience of what's going on and also to see the change of that. So you can do with the sensation, but of course you can also do it with the sounds. And just notice, you hear a sound, and either a slight feeling tone there, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. And again, does the, the feeling tone passes with the sound, or does it remain? Is there like a resonance, or does it immediately go? So it's something we can explore. So of course, you can do just a listening meditation if that suits you. I would especially say for the beginners to do more of that. Then for people who have meditated before, you can explore the feeling tone if you can more or less find them, <laughs> which is not obvious. So if you don't find anything, don't worry. Very likely you find neutral feeling tone. And don't worry about doing it if it doesn't seem to work. Uh, another place where you can also do it is in terms of the walking meditation. So when you're doing the walking meditation, either walking back and forth, either walking at an ordinary pace around the house, just to notice, you see something. What is the feeling tone of that? Or today, so when you see something, 
what happens? Because that is a very big thing when we are in daily life, when we see something, we have a lot of immediate reaction. And that then can color the whole mood. And I think that's why I find it very important to be aware of the feeling tone in daily life. Because I was briefly mentioning yesterday, there is two things which can happen. One thing is that you have a very pleasant feeling tone, and suddenly it shifts into being unpleasant. And if you had that unpleasantness normally, let's say it would be minus three. But if that unpleasantness is just a shifting of something pleasant, sometimes you might go just because of the shifting to minus five. So this is an interesting thing to look at when something is very pleasant and suddenly it, something happens and becomes unpleasant. And then once we feel an unpleasant feeling tone, what happens? I think is that very quickly it spreads. This is the thing about feeling tones. They have this very strong resonance. They really kind of like, in a way, persevere on both sides. So you have an unpleasant feeling tone, especially if it's kind of like going down towards the minus five. But if you're not aware of it, it's kind of like seeps through the whole organism. And then suddenly you find yourself saying something nasty to somebody who has not done anything. And you wonder, why am I speaking that way? And then if you retrace it, you can see, oh, it's because then this shifted from very pleasant to unpleasant. And now it's kind of like invaded in a way the whole organism. And then now it's being transmitted to somebody else <laughs> who could then transmit it to somebody else too. This is what is interesting with this unpleasant feeling tone. But it's the same with pleasant feeling tone. If something, if something is very unpleasant and suddenly it stops, <gasps> you're so aware. You don't have a stomachache or headache or whatever it is. Ah, and then the contrast, it's so pleasant. And then you can be so nice because, yes, this did not happen. This is fantastic. I love everybody. It's very interesting how, again, if it's pleasant, it can uplift us. And that's why I think this is the first practice I suggested on Sunday of appreciative joy, I think can be in a way useful. Because we have a slight tendency to take pleasant feeling tone for normal and to strongly react to unpleasant feeling tone. So we slightly kind of have this tendency to notice more and be more acted upon by the unpleasant feeling tone. And so that's why I think, in a way, the appreciative joy helps us to balance that out by making us more aware. Oh, now it's pleasant to appreciate it, to know it, knowing that, too, this is going to pass. And so I think one of the things I see in this practice is not for us just to be aware of the unpleasant feeling tone, but to be aware as much of the neutral, the pleasant and the unpleasant. And then we can see, oh yeah, 
it's according to many different things and very much according to different conditions, which then slightly start to dissolve this tendency. It's always like this. It will never change. And so that's why, again, to, to being aware how, like, when we walk and we look at different things, we see different things, or we feel the sun, or suddenly we feel a cloud. I mean, this is interesting. You do the walking meditation, it's sunny, and you think, hmm, yeah, it's going to be a sunny day. I mean, this morning, I walk at six, I open the curtain, ah, it's going to be a sunny day. An hour later, hmm, it might not be a sunny day. And it's interesting just that. You see something and you assume and just to notice, oh, it comes and go. Then also our different feeling tone comes and go. And so the thing is not not to have the feeling tone, but can I creatively engage with them by in a way being aware of them in a caring and careful way. So that's what I wanted to suggest today. Are there any questions? Yes. Personally not, you see, but this is a kind of like, a, I would say, a personal thing. Personally, um, I, I don't do that with the feeling tone. I really don't, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Personally, I don't find it helpful for myself. But what I found, uh, the awareness of the feeling tone, it helps me to go more in the experience. And being more in the experience, I generally don't try to define. But being more in the experience, generally, it makes me more aware of the tonality in what I would call a general way, instead of in a very specific way. But it's for people to see if, you know, some people sometimes think noting can be useful. And I know for myself, uh, when I was practicing at the beginning, it was useful to see what I was thinking, but again, I would not say planning. I would just see planning. So I think it's also how I'm, our mind works. Because uh, some people's mind needs more to have that, in a way, noting. And I think some people's minds works more that they see something and they don't have to, to name it, in a way. And I think that's for each of us to see. Personally, I think the. I would, not, I would suggest to do the noting if it helps you to anchor, but not do the noting if it makes you tense. And then you kind of name everything. And then it kind of possibly creates a little distance or a little fixity. So I think it's, the question is, does it help you or not to do that? And it's not because I don't find it helpful that somebody cannot find it helpful. <laughs> but just to see. Uh, to me, the noting is more about bringing tension or not. And is it helping me to be in the experience? Because the thing about feeling tone is that it's quite fleeting. So you could be pleasant, mm, unpleasant, mm, neutral. It's kind of like, 
the thing is, is kind of a moving. So that's why I would find it a little uh, difficult to be kind of quite categoric about it. I think that's the thing with the naming. It's kind of like saying this is that. When personally I would like to use it to be more in the experience of it. So I, I kind of, I am with what is going on and less in the describing necessarily. But people are different. Yes. You talked about every sense door having a feeling to and associated with it. How many can be present at the same time? You see, you could have a pleasant thought. You could have a thought which is a pleasant souvenir, for example. And then at the same time, you could have a toothache. At the same time, you could be in a beautiful place. So you could have different, you see, you could have six different feeling tone, but very likely you will be, and this is back to uh, tomorrow, I'll talk about attention to what you're, what you're going to grasp at and what's going to become more amplified. Because generally, often we, very quickly we go to one dominant one, or we make one dominate. That's what is interesting with the, with the feeling tone. Or we could be a more visual person, so then we'll be more with that, the feeling tone with what we see. Or we will be a more kind of like a physical person, then we might be more aware in terms of sensation. So I think why we pay more attention to one than the other depends on what is stronger. Also, if we have a certain typology and if there is something we focus more. Like, for example, if um, you have a tendency to be anxious, for example, and that transmits itself by feeling certain feeling in the body, then you might be so acutely aware of that that it's kind of like you have a radar even if you have a very minute little something in the body, then you'll see it immediately, which then generally will be immediately unpleasant and when often will be amplified. So it's also, if we're kind of, sometimes we are kind of like radar-like for certain things, and we will notice them even when they were very small, and other things, they need to be very big for us to, to see them. So I would say, yeah, generally you could have six different feeling tones. Sometimes they all mesh together. When you feel well, generally it's, oh, yes. It's kind of like it all mesh. Uh, when you feel very unwell, sometimes it all mesh in a very unpleasant way. You can also have that. And then sometimes it's kind of like a little, you're not sure, because you have one, the other. So it's interesting to, to also notice that. And then you have also the feeling tone of being aware. And that has its own feeling tone, which can be also interesting to notice. So you can be aware of the breath, aware of the sensation of the breath, and that has a certain feeling tone. And then you can be just a contact with the awareness. And that has another feeling tone that also we can notice. But that, again, takes some time.
Yes? Um, I'm trying to understand the difference between a feeling tone and a feeling and the emotion that that gives rise to. So this is like, uh, the, the thing is that generally it goes very fast. So generally what we will have will be more actually what I would call feeling, sensation, and emotion. So that generally, that's more what we'll be aware of. And so we, what we're trying to be aware of more is just the basic contact. So here, you have more possibility to be aware of that because things, I would say, are less uh, strong. I mean, unless something dramatic happens, generally things are less strong. So they'll be more in the neutral zone, a little up, a little down. And then generally, you can be a little more aware of. But it's kind of a bit the, the, the thing that uh, it's a beautiful day, you stand outside, and you see the vista. And unless you hate the countryside or you are allergic, <laughs> generally, ah. And this is just like, it's not that you are, uh, you know, you could say, ah, oh, this is fantastic. I am in love with Devon. I will live in Devon forever or whatever. It's just you see the vista and it's just that visual contact. Immediately, generally, you have this pleasant feeling to. And then, of course, you can increase it by thinking, wow, great. I'm going to be here for the next three days. I can continue to do that. You can do different things. And, or you can, ah, oh, this is so wonderful. I love being in Devon. And then I have to go back to London. This is awful. So then you could, from that, you could have then an unpleasant feeling. It can shift in different ways according to how we grasp and amplify or creatively engage. Okay, so shall we try it? So just standing, stretching a little. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.